podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. This is The Whistleblowers and I'm your host Martin Gritton, returning from the international break. Uh, luckily I've joined in the studio today by two people who uh, shared my fate uh, in the in the dust up after the international games in a way of dressing Scotland's issues I'm joined by countryman whistleblower deputant uh, a man from the podcast world who makes one called thinky thinky make make which is well worth checking out uh, a football producer who's perhaps best known for his time on soccer m mr robbie knox hello very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, that's my pleasure, Robbie. It's, it's good to have you here. I'm really, it's, really excited. Yeah, a man from the podcast. Well, and, and, and obviously, your thinky, thinky, make, make yeah. is, is well well down the line that's now. Very, very kind, very yeah. kind. Yeah. So, and how many Sorry. episodes are you in? Oh, uh, we're 15 in. We had a bit of a break because uh, my wife had a baby, so we got lazy and we're <laughs> back on now and plowing ahead. Well, it's yeah. good to hear. Uh, and we're also joined today... By a man from the world of music who knows far too much about the world of football for someone that doesn't work in it, um, Mr. Gareth Dobson. Good hey, evening. how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm thank good. you very much for having me. Uh, we were we were discussing before this just in terms of the international break and how it affected us individually. And your joint citizenship is is obviously a, has, has been a reason for you to not be too happy. Yeah. So as well as uh, being born in England, my uh, by virtue of my mother, I'm also have American citizenship, so that's two pretty uh, unexciting pre- uh, international teams to follow, <laughs> especially the, the US uh, this time around when we have managed to snatch non-qualification from the, the hands of certain qualification. Well, that was brutal. It was it, nothing short of brutal. I, I mean, mean, Scotland, we felt pretty hard done yeah. by, but America kind of, it was like American Wales made me feel better about things. Yeah, I mean, when, when Scottish fans feel, feel sorry for the way you <laughs> failed to qualify, then you've done something pretty impressive. Very much so. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, so the Whistleblowers is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. It's bet £5, get £20. If you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another 20 to your account. And you can get this offer by following the link at bet.thewhistleblowers.net. So again, we'll return to the, the, the international break, but I think there's been plenty of football since then. And, and most of us would probably like to move on from that. Yeah. Um, First up today, uh, obviously for those listening, it literally just dropped as we were we were discussing this, is uh, Craig Shakespeare, um, a tragedy of the East Midlands. Of... <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Thanks Thank very you. much. Very but it's not, it's it's another one. Leicester just don't mind clearing the traps. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure his tenure was shorter than most Shakespeare plays. <laughs> uh, he definitely didn't get past the first act. Um, yeah, it does seem very tough. I think that, yeah, you know, he did, a good job keeping them, mm. uh, keeping them up last year. Uh, the team seemed fairly on the side with him. They they were pushing for his appointment, and then it, it's obviously been a, a mediocre start to the season. They're in the bottom three, but yeah. uh, a bunch of games they've been fairly close to turning around into wins. I think so. Definitely, uh, definitely early, but maybe not too surprising. Well, I was going to say, and you've had a look at. Well, we've been looking at the numbers, but I mean, in particular. It's a bit of a melee down there anyway, yep. isn't it? And it doesn't take a lot to get out of it. So you can't really be judged on just by looking at the table for, with your eyes on it. There must be something else going on at the club. And like you said, he did a job for them last year. And is it a case of managers get given a little bit of grace for that, but don't really get given the opportunity to create their vision going forward? I, I mean, I think so. It was obviously a team that 
he took on. Some players did come in over the summer, but he did seem to fail to integrate any of them into the starting eleven. If you look at the teams that were being put out for the last few weeks, they were very much those teams from the last two years. Yeah. Um, I suspect it comes down to the ownership. They're obviously a very ambitious group. Um, they stated a few years ago that the aim was to be in the Champions League by now. They, they did achieve that. So you wonder if the owner isn't wondering why they're not still yeah. in the Champions League as far-fetched as that may be uh, to the average uh, viewer. Well, I, I mean, to be honest, Leicester as a club overachieving and then this, this kind of period of kind of trying to level out. Do you, don't you feel, Robbie, that in the Premier League particularly, it's always a case of two seasons for the teams at the bottom. They always seem to kind of pull something out and whether it's investment from the top, but it doesn't always appear to be that. It always, always seems to be just a change. So does that ju- can that justify a manager's I'm just, sacking? I'm just still trying to think of Shakespeare puns. <laughs> I've not listened to a word either of you said for about 10 minutes. I'm, trying, I'm literally I can think about it as the Tempest. Uh, that's it. So, so that's, that's what I've got. Basically. I mean, I, I think one of the bigger issues is they could have sold Mahrez... <laughs> In the summer, he, he looks like a malcontent now. Yeah, um, They set a number on him, which I think they were fairly clear was 50 million he'd go. I think it was Roma who were particularly interested in selling him and they didn't. And now they're playing with a team where obviously I think a few of the players are, are fairly uninfused and yeah. that's probably cost uh, Shakespeare his job. I mean, I, they went it, through that. Though. They went through the whole kind of... We're not happy. Things aren't right. Vardy and he's and the band of you know guys come banging on the chairman's door saying this isn't right. We need a change. You can't imagine that has happened this time. You know, it, particularly with the way that the players kind of rallied around him so much when when he did well. So I, the player power isn't great in that because it almost seems like player power is as bad as fan power because fan. Uh, you're driven by it's an emotive decision, isn't it, rather than a kind of judgmental, more subjective one. Yeah, I think so. But I think there's a difference between the players rallying for the last few months of the last season when obviously they didn't want the the, the, the shame wages, of being... And their wages slapped by 50%. Quite. And also <laughs> That's the, a the shame of being uh, league champions who then were relegated the following season. I, I wonder yes. if a lot of these players took stock in uh, the the summer break. A few of them, like I said, wanted to move. And yeah, maybe it's it's that unfortunate thing where it's a club where... You know what was great about it two years ago is is not the same now. Where you know I think there'll be a lot of changes ultimately, and yep. uh, a few of these players will eventually leave. People like uh, Mares and perhaps Vardy. What must it be like being a Leicester fan now? You must be yeah. really. Oh, it's a hangover. It's never going to get half, better, is it? it? I mean, they they, no. they probably must certainly regret winning the Premier yeah. League. Look what's happened since. <laughs> I remember, but but I remember like talking to a, day, I remember to a Blackburn fan. <laughs> And it was going. Um, it was going. Oh, the worst thing that ever happened to the Cubs winning the Premier League in like, '92, whenever it was. It was all downhill. And, and it was just going. It just every now and then. It's every now. It's just like, oh, do you remember when we, we won yeah. the league? That was good. Yeah. Just, it's miserable. I mean, actually, a, a, a very good friend of mine, who's a, a fellow music manager, one of his artists for his birthday this week, uh, bought uh, not bought him actually, uh, got him a signed. Alan Shearer Blackburn shirt from the 94 94 oh, wow. season and uh, yeah obviously a wonderful gift and he was really really pleased but then there's just this sort of faraway look of kind of vague sadness in his eyes as well <laughs> like he's just holding up the greatest thing that's going to happen to his yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. his sporting uh, yeah, yeah. passion 20 years gone and well, he could have given a Jordan Rhodes one. So, That's you know, true. It's not yeah. all... And who's, <laughs> who is Scotland's star striker? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
okay, moving on from that, um, there was plenty of other to talk about. Uh, plenty, plenty of other things to talk about this weekend. Um, one that perhaps was the greatest, the greatest result of the season, um, off the back of a run of no goals from uh, Roy. Hodgson, who's come back and absolutely resurrected Palace like a phoenix from the the flames. I, I, I don't. How much was that down to Palace, and how much was that down to Chelsea? What do you think? Because I, I, you know, I, I've heard from Palace fans, but surely there was an element of Chelsea's involvement or disinvolvement. If that's I think so. I, I think it's it's probably an equation from uh, from two sides. Uh, Palace looked good. <laughs> Uh, I think they deserve cities. to win. Oh, oh. I mean, that, that's Dickens. I thought that, Palace well, deserved right. to win. <laughs> Any literature reference <laughs> is fine. That's why. Right. Just, just yeah, literature is fine. Um, I don't think Chelsea look particularly good at all. Uh, I mean, they've they struggled recently. Obviously, they they lost lost their last game to to City, and they uh, you know they've only one win in the last four. Um, I think having Zahar back was obviously a huge. Huge deal it was. for, for that Palace. Was massive, yeah, absolutely. And, and even just from him being in my fantasy team all last <laughs> season and knowing the impact that he has, yeah, but and he doesn't fear anyone, does he? That's the beauty of him as well. Like kind of, like, did it against Chelsea towards the end of last season, didn't they? Um, or yeah, it was uh, the two-one right? win at yeah. Stamford Bridge it's when really stood out. Ian Benteke scored. And I mean, I thought it was interesting that neither team played with a recognised striker. Uh, Palace had to play with Zahar and uh, Townsend and. Chelsea had to play with Bat Shuai. See, there's a trick. <laughs> hey, there we are. Um, I was, I was going to pick you up on that actually, because being a recognised striker, or is that just a slur on who it was? And oh, it, was, it, was a slight, yeah, it was a complete it was slur. Definitely a slight. Um, and Palace were probably better playing with the next one. Yeah, season. and, and uh, they were already playing with that that desperation. I think that comes in when you, you know you're in a hole. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, <laughs> well, coming back to. The, the lack of strength in the Chelsea team. I mean, I, I, do you think Conte's going out to make himself a kind of martyr for this? Because he's because he didn't do particularly well on his signings. I don't know if you, you saw any of these, obviously, like bringing in, you know, was it drink water? Who else did he bring during the break? It was um, uh, Morata, obviously, Morata, Costa. But as soon as you lose, Oko, yeah, and then, and then when you lose against Palace and moaning about the strength and depth of your squad, it seems a little bit. I don't know. It doesn't appear to be a sense that he's committed to the long term. So no. perhaps he's he's uh, I, not getting his excuses in early, but he's got a valid point when he says the squad isn't good enough to, I think, compete across all four of the mm. trophies they're in for this year. And but I think a lot of that is on is on the club because if you look at the the players they've sent out, people like Loftus Cheek, um, you know, some very good players, yeah, Zuma, yep. to Stoke. Um, Absolutely, that, that's on them. But I, I think, I mean, going back to Palace, I was uh, running the numbers as you do. Yeah. No, I, I was looking back at some of the teams who started out in a massive hole and who actually managed to survive yeah. early. So in '99, Southampton had one point after eight games and finished seventeenth. That was obviously, I think, that was the one of the last Matt Letitia seasons. Uh, what's what was the year then? <coughs> 1999, 98, oh, 99. That's Mickey Evans. Remember Mickey Evans? I played with Mickey Evans at Plymouth and sorry yes. to just had to swerve the conversation back onto <laughs> my football career at, at one point in this podcast. But Mickey Big Evans, he, yeah, Mickey Evans was this lump. It, it definitely was. It was Mickey Evans' <laughs> season where he literally got player of the month for a season. Uh, for, sorry, player of the month yeah. for the end of the season for Southampton. Saved them. And this was the thing. It was like, well, it must have been Letizia that kept them up that. You know, like, no, it was Mickey Evans who's a 
a lumbering cart horse of a striker who I even ousted as a lumbering cart horse for Plymouth, believe wow. it or not. So, I mean, he, he looked uh, kind of, yeah. But yeah, sorry, go back to yeah, that. No, no, that I, was I, a miracle season for yes. in, in, in Premier League terms. I, I guess slightly less miraculous was uh, the Spurs had two points after eight games, which Harry Redknapp famously would bring up every week. Mm. Uh, he, he was parachuted in early to replace uh, uh, Juan de Ramos. Oh, yes. And um, yeah, that was a team of Gareth Bale and Luka Modric and, and Darren Bent. Yeah, all, yeah. All, all the greats of, uh, of Spurs history. <laughs> and yeah, Redknapp, I think, uh, they finished eighth that year. Yeah. Um, probably That's a nice. slightly stronger squad. Uh, but yes, Harry, Harry was very keen to remind people of, of his uh, achievements. And then Sunderland had one point after eight games um, in 2013-14 and finished 14th. So it's doable, yeah, but it is tough. And, and also... Uh, Sunderland being and Robbie I'll bring Robbie into this is uh, um, oh. your artists uh, uh, Frankie and the Heartstrings one of the one of the bands Gareth manages who, I'm very uh, aware of the sadness of Sunderland football. yeah the on oh, we've just the, the the sadness and 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 ongoing sadness the infinite sadness of Sunderland football and club the which which uh, <laughs> seems to kind of uh, always come back to to haunt them and, and you know not just the club but the, the players that they signed and the, the wage bill that everyone kind of uh, talks about there so yeah I'm sure you've been made well aware of that yep it's uh, it's tough in the northeast. it sure is well uh, let's lift the chat from the, from the bottom of the table let's go back to the, um, Robbie you're a Liverpool fan yep so uh, we were chatting about Klopp mm-hmm. and when he first came to the club you've met the man I did meet him, yeah. I do. I, I make videos for things these days. And yes. one of the things I do is the Carling Goal of the Month Award. Which is, yeah. I, which is. Which I was just about to say, which you, I remember speaking to you about in terms of, uh, um, yeah, some of the trips that you've had to make, shall yeah. we say? It's good, yeah. I, I, I firmly um, encourage everyone to vote for people around the M25, personally. <laughs> uh, no, it's, um, it's I'm about, glad you said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, no, but, but when, um, when um, Jordan Henderson won, it was, uh, which was probably about September last season, I think, and uh, Klopp had won Manager of the Month as well, and he was there, and we, we, we got to interview him, and he was just brilliant. It was exactly yeah. as you imagine yeah. he would be. Just, just really cool. I've got exa- a bit of a crush on him. I was, I see, he knows exactly what he's doing with the media as well as... Because yeah. I, I was amazed by watching the Sky coverage of uh, the games this weekend and they do this pre-bit where the manager speaks to people before the game and like kind of talks about his tactics. So certainly, I don't know if it yeah. was... It, I'm, I'm, it wasn't illegal. It was definitely they? a Sky feed. Yeah, it was the trailer, wasn't it? It was yeah. like they've got like a, a trailer thing they take to the... The, the grounds I saw that as well it's yeah. mad so uh, they were speaking to beforehand and Klopp uh, and Carrick, we, I'm, I've worked yeah yeah that's yeah. right and I've worked with those guys before in terms of for the, uh, just speaking to necessarily managers but always in a kind of friendly bowling environment never in this kind of hostile cauldron of the before a match and he was just sat there chatting away as if it was yeah this is fine you can know this I'm doing this I'm playing him for that reason I'm doing this I'm like this is just you know the keys to the vault I feel really sad for him when when, when Liverpool lose not because I, I'm personally <laughs> disappointed but I think oh poor Jürgen no, yeah, he's, he's he just looks so, it's horrible he does that sad face and I'm like oh Jürgen <laughs> did, uh, did Carragher ask him what the defence was meant to be doing 
I'm gonna I'm gonna level you. I wasn't listening because I was I was so appalled by it. I was trying to write on in uh, on social media how angry I was or about them. Why were you angry? Well, it was just to have an opinion on something that I'd never seen before. You know, as all people do on social media that has no relevance, and then and then realizing that it was kind of churlish, and then going to make it a cup of tea. And when I came back, Klopp had left, but. I wasn't really that into it. I didn't want to hear him talk about how he was going to play against the team that they haven't played against yet. It was like, I'll watch the game and I'll judge it and I wish I hadn't. Did, do you but, feel it's, like, it's like a very successful in Holloway, isn't he? It's like that. <laughs> yeah. He's like on, on a, well, basically, a, a, yeah, on steroids. A Holloway on. Oh. We had, when, um, <laughs> when I was at Sucre, I mean, Holloway used to come on quite a lot. And one day, just, just coming on the show... He was coming on the show at the weekend, and um, I used to I used to have to do the sort of guest briefings, and and I'd, I'd phone up, phone them up, I'd, I'd have a chat with them, and then I'd write the interview based on on what they said. And I phoned up Ian Holloway, and um, he'd been on a few times before, so I knew him. We were chatting away, and uh, for about a good ten minutes, just asking him like, just things like how how how's the season going, yeah. what you've been up to, just like a real chat about the team, the performance, um, wherever he was at the time. So and at the fo- end of football it, fluffing. Yeah, basically. I was just chatting for about 10, 15 minutes, and then at the end of it, I said, all right, um, Ian, should I book a car to pick you up then on Saturday? He went, oh, I'm on the show, am I? <laughs> I went, yeah, yeah, we saw it with your agent. Is that all right? He goes, oh, yeah, no, that's, that, that's fine. I went, what, why, why did you think I was... Just asking you all these questions because I just thought you fell up for a chat. <laughs> That's amazing. Nice but I could have just phoned up Ian Holloway just. for a fifteen-minute chat about how he's doing. Going, all right, Ian, bye. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I, I was actually looking for someone's number on the uh, the, the football year, but like, kind of, they do this kind of Premier League uh, contact book for old people at football clubs, and it was something for work. And um, they've really restricted the information they give out about people. And it's probably because of moments like that where they were like, they used to give, yeah, here's a phone number, here's a direct dial, here's an email. And it's like, no, you, here's the here's the, here's the the reception. And then it's like kind of ringing up going, can I speak to Ian Holloway? No. And that just, the filter's high. But anyway, listen, uh, we're going to cut to a break now. But after we come back, we'll look to these this weekend's games. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we're going to chat about this weekend's games. We're in the studio, we have uh, Mr. Gareth Dobson, who is a Spurs fan, and Mr. Robbie Knox, who's a Liverpool fan. So it would be foolish for us to look beyond yeah, that matchup. Big game. Yeah, huge. Huge. Have you ever been, have you ever been to a Liverpool Spurs match? Is it something that, uh, is it developed into a kind of rivalry of sorts, Gareth? I, I think that there's a degree of rivalry because. I, you know, I think both teams recognise each other as you know reasonable opponents. Um, I think in the last few years, uh, Klopp's team has had the better of had the better of Spurs. Um, I don't think we've won too many. There's been quite a few draws. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how both teams set up. Especially, I mean, Spurs will be coming off what you would assume would be quite an arduous mm. Champions League game um, at Madrid. Well, that's yeah. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't overlook that. I just I know that if we speak about that now and then, the result goes one way or the other. It's kind of quite, irrelevant. Quite, quite, but either relevance. which way, it's going to be yeah. you know a long. It's a huge match. Draining Aye. experience, and um, and Spurs mm. have started slowly at, at Wembley this year, um, both in terms of end results and also how they've been starting games. So, I think if if Liverpool can start quickly and and really set upon Spurs, they they might struggle a little. Do you bit. think? Would you think Saturday was a or, or, or against? 
uh, Bournemouth was a it was a real declaration of like this is how we're going to set up at Wembley now and this is how we're going to win matches. Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure. We switched to a four four two this week, which we haven't done for a while. We were missing Ben Davies, uh, so Jan Vertonghen, which is something that back. I've not had uh, someone say. No, it's it's a rare thing. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even sure. Ben I'm not even sure the Wales national team says that very often. <laughs> you said that you lacked a lot of conviction when you said that. <laughs> he's he's been excellent this year. He's been one of oh, Spurs' best players, it, no. but um, you know, Rose is actually. I think he's due on the bench. Okay. Uh, in midweek for the Champions League, so he may may be a factor. But uh, I I think Pochettino is still working out how to get the best out of Spurs at Wembley. They seem to start very slowly in in all the games, um, and teams are fairly happy just to sit back. And it's a fairly new uh, puzzle for Pochettino to work out how yeah. to how to you know, unlock them. I don't think Spurs have scored more than once. Yeah. In each game at, at, at Wembley in the league so far this season, Martin, you, you played played a bit in your yes. day. Does it make a big difference the ground you're at? I mean, obviously home and away fans and the support, but do you get used to a pitch? I'm I glad mean, you asked, Robbie. Um, uh, now, funnily enough, if it's Wembley, I think it makes a massive difference. I think. Uh, well, I mean, I. I and that was the first guy between a trophy at Wembley Stadium, so I know what you mean. Well, let's yeah, let's. What, what was that trophy? <laughs> I'm definitely bringing it back to that. What was your? Uh, what was the trophy you won at Wembley? And, we, we, when, um, when why I was were at, you the first people on it? When I was at Sky, they used to, when when they opened up New Wembley, they had these ramp up events, and uh, so they, they you can't just open a stadium and have eighty thousand people turn up because it's dangerous. Apparently, <laughs> health and safety gone mad. So they had to have these things. They gave like twenty thousand tickets away to people in Brent, where Wembley is. <laughs> Um, in London, and and we had a soccer team. There were like three teams, and it was like a round robin sort of tournament. And we yeah. we won. And I was thinking, but I was, I mean, it was that sounds impressive. But I remember at one point because I, I played Sunday League in goal, sort of yeah, thing, yeah. but I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing apart from trying to keep the ball out of the goal. Yeah. And at one point, I was so out of position. I remember Mark Bright seeing where I was stood, like I was well outside my six yard yeah. box. So I scrambled around me and just burst out laughing at me. And it was, <laughs> it's always comforting, isn't it? Was, it when you yeah, see another player laughing at you had, openly um, on the pitch. But from a Liverpool point of view, we had John Aldridge in our team, and which was like an absolute, oh. absolute dream. And he's, he's, he's such a nice guy. And beforehand, I was quite nervous because even though it didn't really matter, I was thinking... I don't really want to look at in front of 20,000 people. Yeah. So, uh, because I'm, I'm not amazing at football, I think it's, it's a massive understatement. Um, <laughs> but General, General, um, General Robbie, do you want me to warm you up? I was thinking, don't really know what that means, but oh, okay. And he took me, there's like a room under Wembley, like a little warm up room with like AstroTurf on it. And we're just, just kicking balls to me to catch and all this. I was thinking, this is good. This is amazing. Yeah. Like 15 year old Robbie would. Absolutely, love it. You have it. the yeah. soul undivided attention of John. Yeah, like it was I great. Know. And people forget what, a, like, what a legend he was. Not just, yeah. just like for a man that was a record goal scorer for Liverpool, and then left the season to go to Real Sociedad, and then playing games where they got the best results they've ever had against Barcelona, and then kind of and be the first foreign player to play yeah. for a team from the Basque region. And one of the all-time great uh, meltdowns for Republic of Ireland in the World Cup. Yes. When it was uh, World Cup 94 and they were trying to do uh, (laughs) substitutions and for whatever reason, the official was holding John Aldridge back. And you can can find it on YouTube and if you want to see a man lose his... uh, his everything. No, no, I think, and hopefully our listeners are people that are, are, are familiar with that kind of absolute wig out 
from um, and it was a time where it, it was the Irish team where just it was the, or it was an era where people just wore the baseball caps or yeah. the like it was a big Jack wearing a, like I, a I think they were playing in Miami in a hundred degree heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't make excuses was, for them. I know, but those those baseball beat, caps were very special. <laughs> Nope, so, so I turn that around to be about me there, but it doesn't make a difference what ground you're at. Yeah, so well, thanks for bringing it back as That's well. Right. Um, a model pro. No, it's uh, it's it's paramount as well. It's more about the familiarity that you have, and the the thing that I I associate most with it, but not just for Spurs fans at the moment. Spurs fans have this kind of feeling where it's almost like they're on sabbatical. You know, they always know they're going to go back, and things yeah. are going to kind of go back to where they were, or they're going to be even more emboldened and proud of the ground that they're moving into. West Ham fans, I, you know, the thing I feel sorry for them about is, um, which might not be shared by you two, but the fact that they've, you know, they've lost that kind of um, identity where they would have the stewards and the people that yeah. always worked at the grounds and the fact that the, the sections of the grounds were their own personalities and their own yeah. character. And that's something that football leagues and uh, football clubs in, in England throughout the leagues have you know, and where I played for a fantastic club at Plymouth and uh, Grimsby and Chesterfield and like kind of all these com- clubs that had that, you know, when you lose that identity, it's very difficult to get it back. And there's something about being close to the pitch as well. It's, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's 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 a massive thing for West Ham. I think for um, for Spurs, it's, it's one of those things that can work for or against you quite quite quickly and easily. Champions League is a, is a different thing. Like the, the Dortmund is always... You know, phenomenal, but I, I, yeah, it's it's strange how there's a, a a disconnect between the league games and the other ones. But I mean, I, I was at the Wembley game on on Saturday, and it's yeah, it's a beautiful place to go watch football. It's, yeah, how it's is a, it for, from the fans' perspective? Not so much. Yeah, I really know as a player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's a brilliant stadium, but what what's very telling is that um, Spurs, I'm guessing, can probably put in about sixty thousand. You know fairly ardent Spurs fans and when you get beyond that you have a different atmosphere because there are people who are you know they've bought tickets the day before it's something that's oh let's do that the weekend um so I, I was behind the group who were discussing the rugby next week and yeah that's it was, not great is it it's it's not great no. when you're trying to you know stare at, at your right midfielder and, and try and work out what he's doing like some sort of football nerd but um <laughs> yeah. one of the good things is that you know I think Spurs have recognised that so they're really driving to you know, reach as many people. Uh, I think kids' tickets for this game were like eight, ten pounds. Yeah, and great. so you see a lot yeah. of really, you know, young Spurs fans going to see their, going to see the game, going to see their heroes, and you know, introducing a, a new, uh, yeah, nice. a new generation of fans who they can then uh, hit for sixty quid a, ga- a game in a few a few years' time is very important. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, I think Spurs they had a great model for the Champions League games where they had three games for on a budget package. Man, yeah. uh, Celtic do the same thing. It's um. It is fan orientated. If you look for it, it's the same people that kind of get angry about train prices. And you know, if you can plan well in advance, obviously not all of us can. But the, you yeah. know, there there is budget and there's there's things to be had throughout that. But um, yeah, I've, I, honestly, I think they've done it very well. I mean, I it's, think they have. you mm-hmm. don't get that many chances to see an affordable Premiership game in London. So uh, yeah. they've done well. Well, let's look to other games this weekend. So I mean, um, just dwelling on the fact that. We're looking at league table and Watford are sat pretty in <laughs> fourth, in yeah. the, which is insane and, and kind of uh, looking at it. But at the same time, fully deserved. And in terms of the acquisitions and the way they've gone about things, Troy Deeney's comments about... Um, Troy Deeney seems to me he's lost none of his edge, of his Bruce Lee edges. His forthright nature. Forthright. That would be a good way to put towards him. Um, 
but for him to say that Arsenal don't have the cajones, cajoles, cajones, we all know, yeah, what he's after there. But at the same time, is he talking about Arsenal? Or is he talking about the team? Uh, I think he's talking about the team, but I think it's more of a criticism uh, to me for Arsene Wenger. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it's a narrative or truth, whichever one it is, that's been going for you know almost a decade now. Um, teams will go and defeat Arsenal. Less fancy teams, you know, West Brom, Stoke are, are two that seem to come up quite regularly and and do quite well against Arsenal. And it never changes. And, and for my view, it's more about how uh, Wenger doesn't really change the way he sets up his team. He won't seem to accommodate the uh, the opposition or, or really game plan for them. Yeah. It's more, you know, this is how I play. This is my team, and and we'll be fine. And um, I think, you know. There should be criticism because I know Arsenal fans are, are sick and tired of yeah. of hearing, oh, we played Arsenal, they didn't seem to fancy it, we went in early and, and hard and they seemed to back off. And the, the, there's an element of this sort of expectation, this kind of like going, well, that's kind of the, this oral, like kind of, sort of overall inevitability about it that you just kind of go, well, this... This is going to happen. As a Scotland fan, Robbie, we, we can, we can sympathise. Yeah, I... I, I um... I did go to most Scotland home qualifiers. International football, I think, is my level. I've discovered, like, yeah. as in the highest. As level. a man from Kent who started supporting Liverpool, not knowing where Liverpool was, and then <laughs> discovering it's quite difficult to get to Anfield every week. Like international football, like five games a year. Everyone, like, yeah. well, no, five games every two years, really. So sort of everyone can do that. No one expects <laughs> you to go away. No one expects <laughs> you to go to friendlies. I can do this, and and it's and it's just misery. But um, but it's my level of misery. Yeah. And I shared that measure with you. We went to Wembley to watch England. Oh, we Scotland. did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Which was a particularly... I think that's me That's me done. Do you, know what, well, that, do you know what I did? In I, I bought... Scotland do this thing where they, they sell a a ticket. It's like a sort of discounted... Um, a slightly discounted thing where you can get a, a sort of season ticket to all the home qualifiers. And I stupidly buy this for the last two years. And I got excited. I, after the previous thing, I said, I'm not buying that. And the people I sit with were going, we're not buying that. And then for the England game, we said, oh, we should buy this. It's going to be really exciting and all this. But the problem is we were sat in front of these people who were the most annoying people to watch football with. There was like three of them is some family of intergenerational uh, family who had no understanding of football I'm not saying I'm, I'm Jurgen Klopp but things like when when a striker is you know when strikers as you know Martin, who stand offside for a bit yeah. and then step on side and do that thing where they're sort of playing the line they'll be going you're offside you're offside going, he's playing for his national no. team you don't think he knows the offside rule yeah, and, I- and, and they were so annoying but um, they um, for the last game they always leave on like 87 minutes this family and they <laughs> missed, they missed the goal and, um, and it was amazing and, and everyone in our area sort of hates them and we're turning around and laughing <laughs> pointing at the chairs where they've been sat <laughs> while celebrating Good. And but I missed the England game because we just as I said we just had a baby um, and it just suddenly dawned on me that they would have missed both three kicks in that game yeah. as well yeah they feel better. So I've got a bit of therapy mode here. Yeah, maybe they were Rangers fans. That would have been even better to the missus three kicks. It's not going to be like that. Oh, sorry, yeah, I forget. So let's not bring it back to that. (laughs) That's fine. 
They're certainly not Celtic fans by the abuse they get. Yes, the perhaps players. not. I, I remember going to, I, when I played for Marcus, who lived in uh, South Manchester, I used to go to watch Man United because my mates had season tickets. They would give us the odd free season ticket. And I, the, the season ticket was sat behind this woman that would basically uh, slag off Cristiano Ronaldo for the whole game. And he was the single best footballer I'd ever seen play live. And then not only did it make me feel slightly depressed about just going, what does what is success to her? What is good for her? Yeah. Not only it made me go, what's happening on the stands when I'm playing football? It's like, and this is if this isn't good enough for the fans, what is? Oh God, this, so. what, at one point, someone, I can't remember who it was, maybe Forrest, someone ran like 50 yards <laughs> with the ball, cut inside. And, and we d- just didn't score after taking them yeah. off from his own half. And they just started shouting, oh, you're awful in worse language. I was <laughs> yeah, thinking, yeah. he ran 50 yards down the pitch. What, you can't score with it every clap. time you get the ball. Did you find, when you're, when you're playing, do you find that people say things to you and have no understanding of the game? Yeah, but I, t- I, t- I think I've told you this before. I think uh, the, the, the quickest thing I ever had was, or the best thing I ever had going for me was like, going, have a haircut and have a shave and everyone thinks you've lost weight and look fitter. <laughs> So you would just do that when you come back from injury and everyone thought you were a new player. So it was pretty easy to fool the low-hanging fruit. But would people, <laughs> but would people give you advice on how you should be playing? Uh, oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that happened. You would also just kind of humour that element of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that really kind of affected you on a personal level. No. But, but the people that really knew you, if there, there was something, a response from them perhaps. But anyway, listen... Let's move back to... I want to move back to one last thing about the Premier League because uh, um, we talked about Watford, their resurgence, but we've also got a potential resurgence from Newcastle. So Mike Ashley, um, the high street guy that is now... <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that one. Retail but, um, baron. The, re- the retail baron, the, yeah. Um, the guy that is literally trying to get out as quick as he can from Newcastle. Is this... Talking of chairman, how much impact does a chairman have at a football club other than financial because we look at the managers we talk about personality of Klopp we talked about the personality of Hodgson people that have come in and made some sort of change a chairman can be a ruthless whatever or a quite an accommodating guy and it does does it affect the success of a team in any you know demonstrable way uh I'm not sure I, I think most people most team chairmans you don't really know who you are until a uh, uh, a club is in trouble, and then suddenly fans go, "Who's in charge?" And yep. names start coming up. But there are, you know, demonstrably, there are terrible chairmen uh, with successful teams, and and vice versa. I mean, yeah, people weren't very happy when the, the Glazers came into Manchester United. Yeah, um, they said they would, you know, eke money out of the club, and and they have. If you look, they actually take millions of pounds out of the club every year. But yep. because they keep signing good players, and they've been largely quite successful. Uh, for the last 10 years, it, it doesn't seem to be so much of an issue. And then on the other side, you have someone like Stan Kroenke of, uh, of Arsenal, who, who's large, basically doing the same thing, but because Arsenal haven't won the league title or um, uh, are pushing on in Champions League, suddenly he's a terrible, terrible owner. So I think a lot of it is based on perception of fans. But I do think that uh, you know Mike Ashley has obviously used the club as uh, an investment vehicle. Yeah. Probably and hoping to resell and to do well. I got plenty um, of slazenger socks. For <laughs> yeah, a lovely Donny jumper. I, I, yeah. I think St James Park is actually stashed in the corner of a, a large retail store, <laughs> and you can just go and pick it up. Muddy for a fiver. Fox. Yeah, um, that's right. 
but yeah, he's. Uh, I, I, I doubt the fans will be very sad to see him go, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes in. He wants to sell it quickly. Um, We've well, been here before, before, though, hasn't he? He's put it up for sale in the past. Yeah, Is he going to yeah. go? Do we think he's going to go? Well, I think. Yes. I think also in this in this time, I mean, like it gives a, there's a Newcastle like a proud ownership and a proud heritage, and you know, Rafa seems to be kind of the manager that would outlive the chairman on this, because yeah. mm. as much as he would leave on principle, he's you know. He's a guy that you can see taking the club forward. But, um, well, anyway, listen, guys, thanks very much for your time, uh, Mr. Robinos. What have you got going on recently? Are you doing anything at the minute in the football world? In the football world? Um, I went to Manchester United the other day. Did you? For the goal of the month thing for Valencia. Doesn't speak, doesn't speak English. Yeah. Doesn't well, speak with me. You should have checked before you went. Yeah. You should have absolutely. I mean, it, it was. I don't get to choose who wins gold of the month, but I think you understand well, how it works. I th- well, I think um, you should have. I think you should have done some lobbying. Was yeah. he? Was one. he a gracious recipient of his trophy? Uh, he, he happily shook the people who gave it his hands. <laughs> he didn't as know. Be. He, he, could, didn't, he didn't know whether he was happy is. or no not. One, Gareth. No one gets angry. It was just another trophy. trophy. Just, and Gareth, uh, what's um, what's going on in the world of? Um, not necessarily football. Let's move back to your, your primary function, which is music. Are you you, uh, you get any exciting things going He's on? He's going to be top of the hit parade. He's going to be top of the hit parade. Uh, I have no idea. It's approaching Christmas, okay. so it will be one of the usual suspects. Uh, in terms of what's going on, the label uh, I work with, we've got some big 10th anniversary issues for bands like cool. Lost Campesinos and oh, Simeon Mobile Disco. Oh. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, the, the world of selling vinyl is, is going well. Well, listen, thanks very much. And uh, thanks to our listeners. That was The Whistleblowers. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at thewhistleblowers.net. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network.